Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea Podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because, frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in. If this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service, hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. One, two, testing, testing. Are we live? And we are live now. We should be. Which uh, is, that, is that? Is that camera up there? Yeah, that's the yeah, camera. Yeah, I love it. Hey, everyone. How you doing? Good to see you all again. Here we are. We almost oh, well, forgot that you. we're supposed to be. This is our branding. Guys, guys with drinking tea. tea. We're branded. We kind of. It kind it's, of. It's like this brand, like this branding strategy where we do what we want to do <laughs> anyway, and then we try and call it a brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a cold it was, day. It we're was drinking kind of, tea. To me, it kind of came off the whole like comedians in cars getting coffee, yeah. which was probably branded much better and also a lot funnier. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Um, yeah. So here we are. Be Jerry Seinfeld. We are all over the internet, mm. and we're talking about sunday we're talking about sunday where we talked about bread and actually we ate bread which actually to me was the most possibly the most fun part of it just walking around with bread and handing it out and and also just intrigued at how much people can enjoy something as simple as bread um well let's put it let's make it clear this was not your average bread it was this not, was, was yeah, homemade bread by eric yeah. schmidt correct? and in the, in the first service you could actually I don't know if you believe that you can smell warmth. I don't know if that's true, but but like what? it, it, whatever, you All cut right. it and it was still warm. Oh. And and because of the warmth, at least the smell just sort of you could feel it. Just reminded me of when I it was a uh, working with a church once, and I I would cook bacon for students uh, in the second service, and just the way the church was set up that. The, the bacon smell would waft up and down the corridors, and people would have to sit through church. While the smell of bacon entered the room. It was, That's awesome. That was it was wonderful. Oh man, wonderful for me. I like it. Um, yeah. So Sunday, mm -hmm. you talked about bread, mm -hmm. but specifically, we're in the Lord's Prayer series still. Yeah. Or verse eleven of chapter six, Matthew. Give us today our daily bread. Six, six very poignant words, but very simple words, and um. So obviously in Jesus' time, there is this big discourse about bread. It's on everybody's minds in a way that it's probably not true today um, because they they just didn't have it. Um, it just wasn't as readily available. So I think that that sense for them of like, where's the bread coming from tomorrow was probably more real than it is for us. We probably have some things that are similar, but whether they're quite as important or quite as needed, I don't know. Yeah, so was there anything that you felt like you wanted to share that you had to leave out? Yeah, so, so I think you, you, it opens up to these wide possibilities, right? On one hand, you're kind of shifting maybe in one of two directions. You can either start thinking about 
what how do you help people ask for what they need or are you trying to help people recognize that maybe they have what they need and i think that that's the temptation like i could think of endless stuff and i think there was probably a point in my life where i thought you know if i earn a certain amount of money or i have a certain type of job the needs will sort of just disappear and yet is that ever true i don't know um so, so i think to me what i what i really felt like i left out was this this sort of descent into should people pray for new cars should people pray for a new house should people like are all that that felt like the big potential sort of shift to me um that, that i just so you're felt, saying they shouldn't i don't even know i, I mean uh, do i feel like god gives people material blessings sometimes but uh, but i think like it's maybe one of those things you can choose to keep asking for that and sometimes maybe god will give you what you think you want if you're persistent enough but i wonder whether when you get down that road you find out eh, it, it, it probably distracted me from a load of better things uh, there, there was this one famous prosperity preacher that i heard about once he actually came to visit the church i used to be at and he was saying that that at one point he had this couple come and join the church and they they came back to him like three to six months after they joined the church and they were like is this it uh, and and he said well what do you mean is this it and they're like we've done everything you told us to do like we've prayed that god would provide we've given the right amount of money we've done all of these things and we're the most miserable we've ever been in our lives so you have to tell us that following jesus is were they more... miserable because they were poorer they were miserable because they were way richer like they were they were they said like we've never seen so much money but they they had bought into the premise of like that was that was christianity like that's essentially this guy's message almost like yeah god wants you to be happy uh god wants you to be wealthy god wants you to be all these different things and and so they'd gone down this track and they'd like tell us there's something more than this like, tell us there's something more to following Jesus that he he uh, and so to him it was like this big shift away from prosperity gospel because he was suddenly having these conversations with people that were like no there's got to be more than that um, totally yeah S strangely it's almost like I don't know am I allowed to say weird things on yeah, live, on live is, YouTube is and stuff place? I don't yeah, know yeah, this is a place for weird things. I don't even know if I believe what I'm about to say <laughs> <laughs> Is this a safe place? Yeah, Internet? yeah. Maybe we'll not. Agree to, we'll it probably is. It's, it's, Internet, are you a safe place? It's though? like the least safe place. And now I've built it up so much yeah, that yeah, people are going to freak out either way, no matter what it, how controversial it is. It's almost like sometimes the prosperity gospel, what it gets wrong is the definition of the good life mm. rather than the reality. Yeah. Because there are texts in the scriptures that talk about like he came to bring us life and life abundant mm -hmm. he came to, like yeah. the kingdom of god talks about the poor being cared for it talks about basic in in some sense there's a reason why the prosperity gospel or why like the good life kind of stuff gets in it's it's way into the church because jesus talks about a lot of that stuff mm. but what we define is the definition of the good life is where it starts to shift like if the definition of a good life is being filthy rich with awesome cars and whatever the heck I want, then Christianity is going to be a very sad situation for a lot of yeah. people. But if the definition of a good life is actually different than that. Yeah. And then, and then does that like, how does that message work in Haiti? I don't know. I mean, you grew up in parts of Africa that, you know, again, like going through whole 
revolution hold struggle like how how does that work i used to get to work with these single mothers in haiti that they, they'd started this lady had started a, a business they were supporting about 700 women that had kids no no other family or at least no no spouse or a husband that refused to work which is surprisingly common in haiti uh, and so like for for them like what does that message mean of just pray and jesus will make you richer like what what does daily bread mean to to people there that that Might actually mean just simple bread right yeah yeah and that's we actually had one lady that we we gave a micro loan to and her business plan was i'm gonna go to a baker in the morning and i'm gonna buy 20 loaves of bread and i'm gonna sell them for five cents a loaf more than i paid for them and that's like her business plan like bread is her business plan and she's like, I need $35 to start this business off. And that's going to sustain me and my family. Uh, and so one, like for me, like the idea that, well, we could be involved in that and you're, you're kind of providing daily bread. That's incredible. But to the simplicity of it, the the humbleness of it was. Yeah. I, so I used to help direct this program for young adults and where they would go overseas and sort of do a leadership development program overseas. They would live with an African family or whatever country mm. they were in. We had Philippines, Africa, a couple different locations. But part of the, my job in this role was to, to travel around and recruit people who wanted to be part of the program, you know, college students. So 18 to 28 year old range is the, is the uh, and it was at the time, it was all Americans who would go for two years and just live and learn and learn mm. about missions, all this stuff. And so I'd teach in college classes sometimes or like share stuff or, you know, pitch the program there. One of the things I'd love to do is on one of the trips that I took to Cote d'Ivoire, which is where our pilot program started, I'd taken a picture of this little boy there and I would put it on the screen and I'd ask the college students here in America, what is your first thought when I put this photograph up and it's like this gripping shot of like, I'm, I'm sort of up above this little boy. He doesn't have a shirt on his shorts are all tattered and dirty. Mm. He's got like dirt on his face and like, um, and stuff like that. And he's just hit big old eyes, just looking up at the camera. Right. And like, you just hear this at the college campuses, you'd hear, Oh, Oh my goodness. And like, I'm like, all right, tell me what you're thinking. And they're yeah. like, I just feel, I feel sorry for him. I want to help. I want to um, find a way to to care and, and bring meaning. Most of these were Bible college campuses. So a lot of these students are actually planning on going on the mission field mm. and stuff. And then after I got all their feedback, I would tell them, oh, by the way, this little boy is the son <laughs> of the of the lead pastor of the local church there. He's he's healthy, mm. vibrant, hysterical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So much fun. Um, he's loved, he's cared for. Uh-huh. He's one of the healthiest kids there, and he he exudes as much, if not more, joy than any kid here you see in the states. And they're like, "Oh," and so define, "Oh, this poor child." We have this misconception we in do, so many yeah, ways yeah. because of the community that was surrounding this little guy. He was better off than a lot of the little kids here in the states yeah. who eat every day and are relationally starving. Oh, and that's the thing, that different level of poverty, like you think about spiritual poverty, relational poverty, and physical poverty. And um, and I, I still think that there's places in, in America that certainly have problems with physical poverty. And we actually got into this big argument in our small group after this about whether there was real poverty in America. 
Um, and then the rest of the small group aren't listening, so I can say I was right. <laughs> there, there definitely is, uh, in my mind, and, and you read these stories about people in America living on a couple of dollars a day, essentially, like in, in some of the tiny rural areas. Um, but so much more of what we seem to have is, is relational poverty and spiritual poverty. And so you think, you just wonder, what does, what does give us that today our daily bread? mean for a group of people that are relationally starving um that feels like there's something that we need there that we don't have maybe yeah all right so hopefully i don't put you on the spot too much here but i know having because i talked to you a lot mm. about sermons and sundays and prep and stuff but i know for some reason this passage combined with a few other texts that you shared on sunday in the message they, they were like getting to you in a unique way personally. Mm. And you, you mentioned it like three or four times, not yeah. in this course of our conversations about Sunday. So like what was going on there? Like what was the tension in your own heart as you were wrestling through this text mm. personally? So, so I think I, I had made perhaps the mistake, I don't know, of reading the Sermon on the Mount every day for a couple of weeks <laughs> not long ago. So that had been bad enough. You just enough. see him walk like, into the office. You'd be like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I was just, <laughs> so I would walk around Costco just trying to buy food. This was around Christmas time. I was like, do I need that? Do I need? Because the Sermon on the Mount is deeply uncomfortable for rich people. And then just by nature of having money in a bank account and being able to make some choices. Um, the fact that you're at Costco. Yeah. <laughs> with the intention of purchasing things, not getting warm. Yeah, exactly. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just looking for samples. <laughs> Suggests that I am somewhat wealthy. And then I think there was the the just happening to come across Matthew 13, 22, which is, um, which I can quote, you can pull it up if you want, but, but it's in the middle of Jesus teaching this parable about certain types of land and, and how it relates what to... What was it, 13 what? 22. 13, 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life... And in this version, it says the deceitfulness of wealth. I, I think like in another version I had, it, it's something like like the, either the fascination of wealth or the like the false narrative of wealth just chokes everything up. And, and I... I've told most of you about my belief that like I can play the stock market and all of these different things. And it, it's not even that it goes horrendously badly. It's just that it consumes way more of my energy than I actually think it should. So, so yeah. like, I think, I think then you get into this, like, what is my end game here? Cause it's certainly not daily bread. Um, you could, you could suggest I'm taking some daily bread and investing it in getting more bread. Is that really what what my time is made for? And what what is the, what is that like? Is that a distraction? Is that is that that thing? Um, yeah. Hmm. So I think that that's the that was to me like some of the angst of the passage. Um, like what 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 am I hoping to get out of that? Like okay, maybe it pays for a trip to go back and see my family in England. That could be a good thing. Maybe it pays for like you know something that we might need maybe an appliance breaks or something like that a car breaks down we need to to buy a new car but in actual fact i'm like i think somewhere i'm just like oh one day like i'll just i'll just go and buy a yacht for ministry purposes obviously <laughs> and so i'm just like i'm just playing around somewhere even for people that would say i'm i'm trying to follow jesus the jesus is spot on like the false narrative of wealth whatever that is is 
it still can be quite quite persuasive. It can grab at you quite easily. Uh, and I think that's, so that was to me the angst, I think, of the passage. Yeah, I was, I was talking with a group of guys this week and we were talking kind of about this thing, like who gets to define and what's actually good and healthy and stuff. And it's strange that I feel like even if, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you kind of know that it's not money. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like if, if you're, if you're asked at a 30,000 foot, like you may not live that way. We, most of us don't even in the church don't live that way necessarily that money is, is not the thing that brings us joy. But if you were to say like, tell a story about some guy who his only goal in life was to become a multimillionaire and he rose to the yeah, top yeah, yeah. and he stepped he on everyone. His family it's and all he, yeah. over Hollywood that that's not, that's not the good uh -huh. life. So we like, it's almost wired into our, into the how God designed us as human beings to sort of know that as long as we're far enough away from the issue mm. to think of it that way. What is it about money that when we're not looking at someone else's life, mm. what is it about money that makes us so concerned individually? Like we can watch another movie and that the hero is always the guy who's not that guy. Right? Yeah, not yeah, yeah. The Jeff Bezos is never the hero of a movie. He's the, the bad guy in the movie. <laughs> fair, fair, like, enough. You know. fair enough. Unless he's like giving away it or something, right? Yeah, yeah, Unless yeah, he's yeah, getting yeah. rid of yeah, it yeah. to give it to someone to, poor. If he wants to donate to South Fellowship. <laughs> fair enough. That's fine. I, I think, I think I wonder whether it's, so I think you can pass money off as a means to an end. And, and Jesus, I'm not sure ever says that money is bad. I think he says that the love of it is. And, yeah. I tell you who I, I really have loved listening to. There's a British comedian called Russell Brand who he talks about just such a whole range of stuff. And one of the things I thought he said that was brilliant was he said, um, he said, every one of us is addicted to something. Uh, he said, my addiction addiction's just obvious. Uh, like his addiction. He, he was a drug addict. He was on heroin for a while. And he was like, it was so obvious that I messed up that I have to deal with it. He's like, most of you guys will wake up at 60 and realize, oh, I was addicted to all this all along or this thing all along. And it's like suddenly just occurs to you and it could be almost anything. Um, it could be as simple as you could be addicted to freedom, getting to do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it. You could be addicted hmm. to golf. You could be addicted to a, a video game, almost anything. Um, and and so I think, I think money has this pull of like, what do they say that, Someone said once, like, what, what, what's a, which million is a millionaire's favorite million? And the answer is the next one. Like, it's, there's always another <laughs> thing to get. Um, it, it's almost like a, yeah, the, the, in, in the Simpsons, the, the billionaire guy, Mr. Burns, who, you know, owns half of town or whatever. Like, Homer at one point says to him, hey, Mr. Burns, you're the richest man I know, way richer than my other rich friends. And Mr. Burns looks at me and says, oh, yeah, but I'd trade it all for a little more. <laughs> and I think that's that's what money can do to you. It can gr oh, grab you in that, like, yeah. So how is the invitation of Jesus in the, the Lord's Prayer different? I know you talked about that on Sunday, but could you summarize? If that's not what he's saying, give he's us this day, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, give me everything I need, mm. think I need. Yeah. What is he saying? Well, I would hope he's, I mean, it feels to me like it's, it's even bigger than just in, 
enough if it's connected to that kingdom thing before which i think it is somewhere it's give me the resources that i need to be a vital and vibrant part of your kingdom work like give me give me enough to sustain me yes enough for my family to live on and uh, but but it's also i have a role to play give me the things that i need to to get on with that task um which is very inclusive and, and i love that yeah i don't know if any any of you out there have been part of like a a strategic bud, budgeting model for an organization or a business and or if you've ever managed a budget for an organization there's something powerful about like if you get the vision really, really clearly, and then budget towards that thing, um, asking for that budget is you, you can have more confidence that the budget's going to be approved by the mm. board or whoever it is that approves yeah, yeah. budgets. If you can like clearly connect your budget request with the very heartbeat mission critical realities of a, of a business mm -hmm. or an organization or a church or whatever, it's way easier to stomach um, both asking and receiving that request. And mm. in one sense, when we say, give us this day our daily bread, it's kind of like, Lord, I want to be part of this kingdom. I want to understand it. Help me, you know, it's, there's, there's that sort of woven throughout the prayer. And then when you say, give me this day, my daily bread, it's like, Hey, I want to start bringing your kingdom. So I'm going to need some stuff. Yeah, I'm going to need, I'm going to need I'm going to need some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, totally, I need, yeah. I need to like, at least be able to eat. Well, there's mm -hmm. this physical need thing. I need, I need wisdom. I need yeah, all these energy. other things. I need to get up in the morning and have the strength to continue. To I, yeah, I need to, I need this relational thing or even a brokenness in me that's preventing me from like living out the kingdom well. Like I've got this issue in my heart, this angerness or this bitterness. So maybe daily bread is partially that. So yeah, and, and it's your and budget again, request to the king, yeah, and, and to the so, king. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think I like with with how church budgets work. If someone comes to me and says, "Oh, I I want to do this thing that might reach unchurched people," I'm like, "Oh yeah, we can find the budget for that. That's yeah. fine. Like that, let, let's do that. That sounds wonderful." Um, I think it's intriguing that throughout the Old Testament, particularly, the idea of bread was um, was connected to God's presence. So somewhere when you think about like that language of, of you know, what, what, when you say, give us your daily bread in the, in the light of the kingdom, it's like, be present with us as well, as we're doing your work. Um, mm. Don't leave us by ourselves, um, which is, you know, yeah, which is, which is very cool. Like he even says in the great commission, you know, and lo, I'll be with you yeah. always yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, what were some of the things that you challenged us with on Sunday to take away from this? Like maybe some, some spiritual disciplines or, or if you, maybe if you didn't get a chance to share all of the ideas that you had, are there some spiritual disciplines for us to engage with this subject matter? Well, well, I think, I mean, I think it seems like there is somewhere potentially the implication that, that we could be eating somebody else's bread. I mean, that, that I'm stretching it a little bit, but like, the, there's a question to ask, like, what, what if you have so much and, and that passage in that we went back to in Exodus, where it says some of them just gathered loads and tried to keep it for the day after. Um, it wasn't as good when they went back to it the next day. And, and somewhere it seems at least giving is a spiritual discipline. I'm, I'm not even talking about giving to a local church or even to South in particular. 
I'm, I'm just saying that somewhere if we get into a mindset that we have a pool of resources that build up and we try and keep them as close to us as possible and only spend them on us and only use them to engage with, with our family, it's probably not going to be very healthy for us in the long run. We probably need to find an outlet somewhere to keep the flow moving. Um, so I think that in itself is this, is this really great spiritual discipline. Uh, to choose not to hoard stuff, to hold on to it. Which you drew out of the idea that he said, give us. Yeah, it's a plural. Now, my wife would tell you I'm a hoarder, so I think she's she's like, you should listen to your own message. Like, I keep everything. Um, Isn't that the, the frustration of, like, communicating things or preaching? It's terrible, yeah. They, they, you say like, stuff yeah. and you're like, I should do this. Yeah, and then your wife says, I sh- you should do this too. <laughs> this is like, why I don't preach very often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, yeah, I, I just, stuff goes in the garage and it just stays there. I, I'm terrible with books. Like, I hate giving away books because it means I don't have that book anymore. And so I'll, I'd actually rather go and buy someone another copy of the book <laughs> than lend them it and have the potential that they might not bring it back. Um, so, so I think that that is definitely one of those things. And then I, I think we landed in this place that recognized that the language about bread always at least has the potential to be spiritual. Um, that Jesus really pushes those first followers of his, I'm the bread of life. Um, without me, your life is empty. It's meaningless. It's nothing. It's, and ultimately ends in death. And, and, their reaction is, I don't like this message. And so a lot of them just disappear off at that moment. Hmm. Um, so I, th- I think that in itself is a practical challenge um, or an important challenge for even us, uh, those of us that think we're following Jesus. These were people following Jesus. Uh, and he's, he, he pushes them that little bit further and says, am I really, do you really see me as the, the thing that you need? And they're actually in the context of worried, worrying about physical daily bread. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he, at uh, that moment, after feeding them, after taking care of it, is like, there's this other thing. Stop stop getting obsessed with the, the physical bread thing. Mm. If, if all you're coming back to me for day after day is just that thing, then you've missed, the, you've missed what I'm saying. So the kingdom of God is not just a place where everyone's belly is full. It doesn't seem like it, no. It's a no. place that may include that mm. long range. But yeah. it's, if that's it, gosh, it's such a small, insignificant kingdom. And that's why fasting comes out of that. And maybe fasting is a spiritual discipline that we do in this season to remind ourselves, God has given me daily bread, but I actually can survive the day without bread. I think you have this kind of fringish theory that like, I think we've talked about this before, that actually like you can survive way, way, way longer on without physical bread than people believe right that if you can practice the spiritual well i is it is it's not my theory it's dallas willard oh is it remember yeah, we were gosh, talking about that like you got it from i i did i wanted to give you credit for it <laughs> wow well thank you you know I'll, you know if i if i came up with a theory even remotely close to what like dallas willard might come up then i feel like i'm doing well mm-hmm. I should write books. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I'm kind of a genius. Yeah, well, then we could have loads of money. We could get that yacht. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely did not. Um, but I actually was asking you because he he sort of makes this assertion a couple places, and I just really haven't explored it a ton in all of his writing. But he he does say like if you practice fasting in a in a in the right and healthy way, you learn that there is bread that is beyond the physical. Mm. Now. 
he almost hints that it has some sort of physical sustenance yeah, to that's, it. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's where, I mean, that was where I was, I had a friend that did a fast for 40 days and he collapsed on like day 39. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I like, I'm not, one of the things that's weird about Dallas Willard is he tends to be, or at least in regards to this issue, a lot of his theology tends to be very earthy it's very mm, grounded in the yeah, physical yeah. world in fact in, in some senses that's one of the things that he did really well is helped like redeem the whole mm. idea that we are physical creatures and that god the incarnation itself the fact that jesus became one of us affirms our humanity our physical nature and all this stuff like he's a he's a big fan of that and then he says this thing about fasting <laughs> like <laughs> hyper spiritualizes fasting like yeah, yeah. your physical body gets sustenance from this spiritual practice. And, and, then and I was kind of like, so Dallas Willard, oh shoot. Yeah. He's gone. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah. maybe we, someone out yeah. there who's read more of his stuff can oh, explain yeah, that like learn out there. His ways or, yeah, we need Richard Foster or someone to say, Hey, this is what he really meant. John Holberg, like some guy. And yeah, maybe he's just talking about like your soul is more full or something. And that would make sense. But he does have this, like, I don't know, a few things I've read where I'm like, yeah. And he, he has this like, one, he has this ability, like I think the the Jesus that he followed, to to say something almost like as a bit of a throwaway, and then move on to something else. You know, like, wait, go back to that thing. Like everything he said. Yeah, what do you mean by that thing? And then I, I remember one of my favorite stories about Dallas Willard was that that at some point someone said, like, how do you think Dallas Willard handled going to heaven and coming into the presence of God? And they were like, well. I think it probably took him a couple of days to figure it out. Like he lived on such a spiritual level that it was like, oh yeah, this is this is the thing now. This is where I something's am. Something's like, different. Something's different, and it finally <laughs> is like it finally twigs. Um, and so you could see him saying something like that. Whereas whenever I do fasting, um, which isn't a load, but it is some. Uh, one I've noticed that the first day I'm miserable, and then like day two or day three i start to find it a little bit addictive almost it's like mm -hmm. oh i could go further i could go further i could go further um but then like I, I do definitely have um this maybe the word is earthiness that i like food i like steak i like bread i like these things and it's it's different it's, it's work for me like silence is work for me well i that's why they call it a practice i think yeah, right it's, it's yeah, yeah so, i think of fasting like i you know i recently did a semi longer fast i mean not, not super long couple 48 hours but for me it's almost like lifting weights spiritually speaking mm. it's saying hey body you are not the boss mm. my soul in the kingdom of god is the boss yeah and i gosh i don't it remind like whenever i'm doing a fast or a spiritual discipline that's related to the body where you sort of intentionally choose to abstain from something. There's like, there's spiritual disciplines of abstinence and spiritual disciplines of action. Mm -hmm. Or um, So when I've done one of those, some sort of abstinence, spiritual practice, it's it just screams how much my body wants to control my life. Mm, like yeah. you need this, you know, and the cravings, all of these sorts of things start to well up. And you're like, wow, I, I didn't even realize how much of my, my life and my decisions in life are just like rolling with whatever yeah, yeah, my body absolutely. decides yeah, yeah, yeah. it should do. Yeah, well, I was just doing this whole 30 thing, not doing it anymore. And so suddenly you realize like 
you wake up in the morning, I'm just going to grab a couple of cookies and eat them with my tea. I'm going to just grab this. I'm going to, and it's so like casual, especially Mm -hmm. in the kind of environment that, that we may be living. I, I, I find that whenever I do fasting, it has this incredible way of, of making me think about, uh, about feeding the spiritual side Mm -hmm. or the soul side of me. So I, my body starts to say, you're hungry, you're hungry. And, and my, my soul gets to say, so then feed your soul. Um, so, so then go and pursue these spiritual things. It's like a reminder. It's almost like a thing you can't avoid. It, it makes you go and engage when so often we just get busy. We just get contented and we, we can get through a day and be like, wow, God, how much, how much attention did, did you get of mine during the, the week? So if someone was going to try fasting for the same time, what advice for the first time, what, what advice would you give them? Um, like a, a longer than a, you know, intermittent fasting situation. Yeah. Like, like 24 hours plus. Yeah. I mean, I think that the tension is the point. So if it's uncomfortable, you're doing it right. Yeah. Like that's part of the, um, that's part of the thing that discomfort. And it, I think it's also really important to not over spiritualize it in the sense that like suddenly you become this amazing human being. And so actually it's usually the opposite. Hmm. Usually like all of the, especially initially, like I get grouchy. Sometimes you get headaches. Sometimes you just, you just feel uncomfortable and you just desperately want to eat. And you're like, I'm supposed to be praying and you know, the, mm-hmm. all of that sort of like, yep. Yeah. That's all in you. Mm. And then, so maybe like, especially in those first few days, cause that uh, somewhere around day three is when, your body stops like crying out. Usually for a lot of people, the body stops crying out mm. as ferociously maybe. Yeah, yeah. And you start to get into a little bit more of a rhythm. Um, but during those first few days, which most people, that's all they ever end up with, yeah. myself included. Yeah, yeah, I've too. only done one or two ever longer uh-huh. than that. You may not feel very spiritual. Does that mean you failed as someone who's fasting? Like I'm not doing it right. I don't feel hyper-spiritual. Well, I think maybe one of the tips is bring that to Jesus. Mm. Say, I'm messed up. Mm-hmm. Like I'm grouchy. Yeah. My body's like yelling at me. I'm short with my family, whatever. And you're like, yeah, that's all in you. Mm-hmm. And then say, all right, Jesus, I need your help. I want, give me my daily bread in the spiritual sense and help me to live according to your way, even when my body is trying to take over my life. Mm. What about you? Do you have any tips? Don't do it. So, so I think, I mean, I think I agree with, with what a lot of you, what you said. I think when I first did fasting, I would try and fill my day with as much as possible or find things like I would drink things that would try and make me feel fuller to avoid some of the physical inconvenience of it. And then I think as I as I got older or did it more, I was like, well, no, no, you're kind of defeating the point there. Um, like it's not it's not about making it as easy as possible. So so I actually don't know that theoretically emptying your house of everything that you like to eat is actually a good step into fasting. I actually think no, the fact that it's there is maybe one of the better reminders. It's actually one of the things that 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 helps you on that journey. Yeah, actually, the last time I did a little bit longer fast, this 48-hour fast, one of the most spiritual moments for me was it just happened to be 
um, if you haven't heard already, my wife's pregnant. And congratulations. Thank you. Um, she just wasn't feeling well. And so I ended up both, I made all the meals. Yeah. For my family, but I wasn't eating. That was actually this, that's when Jesus actually met me. Huh. You was, were serving meals that you couldn't eat. I don't know why. I, I should probably sit down and journal about it so that it like f- completes the thought, but it felt like Jesus met me in those mom- moments while I'm cooking a meal and smelling it all and seeing it and then serving and I'm not partaking. So, that so actually it, felt yeah. something really powerful so in my relationship. you didn't cook really bad food. <laughs> no, actually, like I actually doubled down on, on one at least one of the meals where I was like, no, I'm going to go. I have extra time because I'm not trying to do this other stuff. Such but a yeah. better person than me. I would have cooked all the things I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like spam for for dinner (laughs) three days a week. No, there was something beautiful about that for me. And I think that that actually touched me more than just the fast in and of itself. Hmm. So do you, uh, do you find when Alison is pregnant, are you good at the whole like sympathy part in terms of like when Laura was pregnant, she was like, well, I'm not allowed. She loves Guinness, um, the beer. And she's like, so if I can't drink it now, you can't drink it either. And it was like, I don't know that that's true. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that that's a question for my wife. Because <laughs> if I answer it wrong, I'll be in trouble either yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Yo, I'm I'm awesome at sympathy. <laughs> yeah, you should say it on Sunday morning. You could cross. You should cross check that with I'm my gonna, wife. I'm Otherwise, um, yeah. Uh, final thoughts. Any final thoughts? Like we've we've just meandered all sorts of ways around the subject. But any final thoughts specifically? Final thoughts are bread is good, but it's not everything. And we tend to make it everything. And when I say bread now, I'm, I'm talking about stuff. I think that's what happens. Like we, the bread is necessary. Um, Jesus values it. He gave it to people. He spoke into that conversation. But, but, it, but again, I think we tend to make it the thing. And, and I think Jesus kind of leads us to say, no, no, it's not the thing. And certainly just collecting more and more of it, like believing that the more you have of it, the happier you'll be or better off you'll be is not, is not accurate. Yeah. So when he says he teaches us to pray for bread, it's got to mean more than just getting more things. Yeah. So if, you, if, if, if that, that to you is, is a, a reading of like, this is my chance to just ask God for lots of stuff. Like it's Christmas list time. And I think like we didn't even get to the fact that that's usually where we start, let alone like whether it's valuable or not quite often we we come to god and we're like hey i got a bunch of stuff that i need off you um that that seems like it's got so much more to it um when he says daily bread it's not supposed to be just it's shopping time yeah with maybe one pastoral caveat i'm not going to contradict my contradict away this is what this face is for i think Maybe, and I don't know if this is grounded anywhere. I, uh, again, I'm I'm venturing into unknown territory, heresy right here. Yeah. No, um, I think it's better to go to Jesus in prayer than not at all. Definitely. So if you're in a place where you're just like, I have needs, like you're talking to him at least. I think maybe there's a little bit of a like truth that, to yeah. that, where at least you're going to the right source. Yes. And like a good father. Who said when you're when my child comes to me and says, "Can I have M and M's?" The answer is not always yes. yes. What? <laughs> it's not always yes. 
depending on what they ate earlier in the day. <laughs> but my I love, wife, I, I love that they come so to me. Good, I always say yes to him. All right, fine. I'm wrong. No, I'm wrong. No, I, God I, says, I, I, he always says yes. To, give us this give day, us day our daily M&Ms. Yeah. yeah. I, but, no, I, th I think you're right. Like almost, there's almost like, there's almost no thing that you can say to God that is, that is worse than just never approaching him. Totally. Um, so if that's all you've got in prayer, and if that's all you're capable of right now, I think God's like, it's just so good to see you. Yeah. See you here I mean, in, with me. In a few weeks, we're going to get onto, into Lent, into some of the imprecatory Psalms and stuff like that. And uh, you, you see it almost there, like, like even like coming to God with a shaking fist and rage and anger is, is way better than just taking yeah. that and burying it deeply somewhere else. He's like the safest place to uh -huh. do that. Yeah. Throw the fit at him and then... Mm -hmm. He's, he's more gracious and kind about it. Oh, we actually have a comment here. I'm just going to see. Oh, it's Ken Smith. Ken Smith. All right. Well, at least Ken Ken was on there. It's not. A, I don't think he's asking a question or anything. Otherwise, we might try and address it live. Address it live? I would definitely address it live if it It'd was be a question fun. that I wanted to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely. You just said nothing. <laughs> I would definitely do it. If it was what I wanted to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. 60% of the time, I'd do it 100% of the time. Have you considered politics by any chance? <laughs> Let me answer that question with a question. Yeah. I think that's it, folks, that's it. for today. Um, if you do have questions, feel free to drop them in the comments Aaron section. Um, I should probably do all the things that all those YouTubers do and say, if you like this content, subscribe like it, subscribe to our, to our YouTube channel. channel. We're going to be doing this every week. And yeah, feel free to drop in questions about this. I know we meandered all over the place and maybe, maybe if we have enough pervasive questions in a specific area, we'll just commandeer one of our live streams to address some of those questions more precisely. Um, yeah, we hope this serves you. Hopes, ho we hope that this helps you think through the idea of this prayer a little bit more. Yeah. Anything else? That's it. That's it. Enjoy some bread. Did we do all the YouTube-y things? I, I, you'd have to ask Teresa or someone wiser in that department than I. Yeah. Maybe we'll get better at this. Maybe. <laughs> but I doubt it. <laughs> See y'all. See you guys. Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing, and we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.